Welcome, fasting fitness friends. This podcast will be about sharing information and stories on fasting and fitness. Bill is a martial arts instructor, business owner, husband, and father. Lisa is a retired music educator, an ultra runner, singer, dancer, wife, and mom. We have both lost weight and found a healthier lifestyle combining intermittent fasting and fitness activities. We hope you'll join us as we share content that can help both mental and physical wellness. Please remember the information presented here is not to be taken as medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon, Bill. Good afternoon, Lisa. How are you doing great. today? I'm very excited once again to be doing this podcast with you. This is podcast number two, episode number two. And today, Bill and I are going to be discussing frequently asked questions about intermittent fasting and also um, challenging some of the myths around intermittent fasting. Yeah, this is going to be a really fun episode because there's so much misinformation and um, just kind of like just wrong information. I don't, I, you know, I don't think there's a lot of people out there tr intentionally trying to mislead people, but um, there's just, you know, it, this is kind of, even though fasting is not new, fasting is a very, very old concept. Um, there's just a lot of people that don't really understand what it is that we're doing when we say we're intermittent fasting. Yep. And, um, mankind has been fasting since pretty much the dawn of man. And so it is not a newfangled diet or crazy way to eat. It is an old natural way of human beings eating for health and wellness. Yeah, that, that might even be a whole podcast episode we could do just talking about the origin, like how, you know, how old fasting is and kind of the history of why we why people eat the way they do now compared to how yes, we used to. Yes, I would to. be happy to that could look into that because I'm, I'm looking into carnivore and there's a lot of um, ancestral, you know, history about humans and their food. So it's quite a fascinating topic. Yeah. All right. So what do we want to, what do we want to start with? What's our most common um, myth or misconception or question? I about think fasting? the number one misconception, and I'm sure you've heard this and we all have the number one misconception is oh, fasting isn't that starving? So let's talk about that, Bill. All right. That's a, that's, you know, I, and I have, I've had people ask me, um, aren't, isn't that just starving yourself or are you sure you're getting enough calories? And, and we'll talk about calories later, but, um, just the starving yourself takes so much more time than people think. <laughs> um, and I, you know, right now I do ADF, so I eat every mm -hmm. other day and, uh, and I eat on Saturday and Sunday okay. consecutively. So, um, you know, I fast three days during the, during the week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then I eat Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I'm not starving myself at all. Yep. And basically what fasting is, is you eat, you stop, and you don't eat for a period of time, and then you eat again. So almost everybody, except for babies, 
is fasting at some point of the day. Hopefully most grown adults when they're sleeping are not getting up in the middle of the night to eat. So everyone is already fasting eight, nine, maybe 10 hours, you know, if they don't eat after dinner and then they go to sleep. So everyone's fasting and they're surviving, aren't they? Absolutely. And the other thing is, even if you're slender, like for example, my husband, he fasts and he's not going to die. He's, your body has reserves. There's fat stored in your muscles and, um, most and and everybody knows that feeling where you've had a day where you're like busy and you're you're doing something and you forget to eat and you go maybe 18 hours without eating and you survive. So basically fasting is eating, stopping eating and giving your body and your digestive system a chance to recover and rest so you're not constantly shoving food into your digestive system. Yeah, it takes energy and it takes um, work for your body to process food. So if your body is constantly working to process what's currently in your stomach and in your intestines, uh, that, that's so much energy and time and effort that your body could be spending on fixing other health issues that are going on. Exactly. And that leads us right into... Um... We just want to mention the word autophagy, and that autophagy is auto, and it, it actually means technically the Latin is your cells are eating themselves, but that's not what it really is. What it means is your cells are repairing. So when you are fasting, you give your body a chance to do autophagy, which is cellular repair. And it's very beneficial in so many ways. We'll get into that another time, but I just want to throw out, that's what the word autophagy means. Yeah, I like the analogy of a oh, recycling plant um, as autophagy because you're, you know, your cells and the energy inside your cells can't be can't actually be destroyed. When you when you lose a fat cell, you don't actually lose that energy or that um, you know that that cell. It gets turned into something else, um, and it either gets processed and expelled, or it gets processed and used as something else for your body. So what's happening in autophagy is that any cells that are not at at um, operating at prime that their prime function is now autophagy is taking those cells and saying, okay, this is no longer good material. This isn't doing what it's supposed to do. So I'm going to take it now and I'm going to process this fat cell. I'm going to take the energy out of it and I'm going to turn it into this and I'm going to take this out of it and I'm going to give it to the muscles and I'm going to take, you know, and it just depending on what's in your fat cells um, and your fat cells can store a lot of things. Um, but depending on what's in them, your body does different things with them uh, through autophagy. So that's a really cool process that everybody it's should amazing. look into. It's amazing. And that's, that's a reason why many people choose to fast even beyond the weight loss or even if they don't need weight loss. Okay. So mm -hmm. um, here's another question I get often. Oh, my doctor says fasting is not good for you. Oh boy. Oh boy. So first of all, we love doctors <laughs> oh and we, again, we're going to throw in the yes. disclaimer that we are not doctors. We're just sharing things that we have learned along our journey. So why do doctors 
maybe some doctors think that fasting is not okay. So the, the number one answer that I give to people, because I've gotten this question several times, uh, and I've even got, I've gotten this question from people who work in the medical field and have a lot of direct contact with doctors. Um, and so, you know, obviously they trust the people that they see and talk to on a daily basis. Um, but doctors are not trained mm -hmm. in nutrition. Doctors are trained yep. in medicine. Um, and again, I, I, I know that I said this last week and I don't want to disparage doctors or anybody in the medical field, but the medical industry is not set up to operate taking care of healthy people. The medical industry is set up currently to make money taking care of sick people. Uh, and, and we take care of sick people primarily through medicine. So it's just that it's not that the it's not that doctors are really against fasting. It's that they haven't been educated on the benefits and the proper Excellent. application of it. Now, that being said, there are some doctors like my doctor who is a chiropractor and he's a more holistic. He's also a, a um, you know, um, what is he? Uh, not a PA. Uh, Physician's assistant or. Uh, yeah. that's what PA so is. He's, he's a medical practitioner and a chiropractor. And when I told him I was intermittent fasting, he was like, everyone should be intermittent fasting. And then I told him, I also do keto, which I'm um, leaning, um, segueing to carnivore. And he was like, if everyone did the ketogenic diet and cut back on their carbs, I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> so there are some mm -hmm. doctors that know, but, and we are not like Bill said, we're not putting down doctors, but Doctors do not have a lot of education in nutrition. They're, they're schooled in diseases, uh, prescribing pills, and so on. And, and the information that doctors have been given about nutrition is very antique. Like, we used to think the world was flat, and now we know that it's not. And I think there's some of that going on in the medical community for some doctors. But more and more doctors are embracing mm -hmm. fasting. Some, well, Dr. Jason Fung is using fasting as a healing tool. He's prescribing fasting for his um, patients that are uh, obese and uh, pre or pre-diabetic or diabetic. He's using fasting as his medical prescription instead of drugs. Yes. And, and like you said, more and more doctors are starting to move in that direction, which is really awesome. Um, and, and I hope that the, the trend continues to that being becoming the um, standard first step. Right. Yes. And um, let's say you have a doctor who maybe is opposed to fasting. So what would be nice is if you could speak to him and refer him to some of the research and if he had a, he or she had an open mind. But if you have a doctor that says, oh, no, you can't fast, that's bad. You, I think it's really important to have a doctor who listens to you and hears you and you need to be an advocate for your own health. So just want to throw that out there that you don't have to go to a certain doctor just because you've been going. 100% agree. Okay, so let's talk about some of the other myths. Bill, let's talk about calories in and calories out. Calories in, calories out. That's like, you know, the golden rule yeah. of dieting. If you want to lose weight, you need to eat less 
food and mm -hmm. calorie content than you burn in exercise yeah. or daily activity. And if you do that, you shouldn't, if, if everybody did that, according to the calories in calories out rule, nobody would be so overweight. So right there is if, if calories in calories out, you know, eat less, move more. If that worked, why would we have such a obesity problem and insulin problem in America? So obviously it isn't working. Correct. Um, calories in calories out. And, you know, there's been tons of studies. There's been so many documentaries. I, I can't remember the name of the documentary, but I watched a documentary about a guy who ate nothing but Twinkies for like a year or something ridiculous like that. Mm -hmm. That was all he ate every day. Um, Twinkies. And I just, I, it makes me sick to think <laughs> about eating enough Twinkies to right. not be hungry in a day every day for a year. Um, but he lost weight calories in versus calories out. He, he maintained, he stayed under, I don't remember. It was a long time ago that I watched this documentary, but he stayed under a certain amount of calories per day and he exercised every day and he lost weight eating Twinkies every single day for a year. But then, um, well, I'm sure he, I'm sure he, uh, at the end of the documentary, he felt, even though he had lost weight, no he kidding. felt terrible. <laughs> um, he was not healthy. He, he was thinner than he was when he started, right. but he was not healthy uh, because there was no nutrition, there's zero nutritional value in a Twinkie. Um, and, and I'm sure at, I'm a hundred percent positive. There was no follow-up because he probably once that was over, gained back every pound times three when he started right. so, eating normally again. The best example of calories in, calories out being um, not reliable is, well, first of all, you can, you can lose weight if you uh, restrict. I, yes. I am an example of a disordered eater. When I was in my teen and early 20s, I was restricting, restricting. I lost weight. I felt horrible. I was getting stress fractures. I was just restricting, eating as little as possible. And then once I started eating real food, I started binging. But The Biggest Loser, the TV show, that is the best example for oh. me of the, um, the fallacy of calories in, calories out, because they get those people mm -hmm. in their little camp on their show, and they eat like really little amounts of food. They exercise all day long, all day long, all day long. They lose weight, and then there are there's there's a study. It's called the Biggest Loser Study, and ninety nine percent of the people that participated in that show uh, gained the weight back and more. Yes, I, I used to be a huge fan of oh. the show. Um, when I was overweight, because one, uh, mentally, those people were more overweight than I was. So it was encouraging to watch them lose weight. Um, but then I, I had some emotional uh, kind of awakenings watching the show and learning about that study that you mentioned. Um, but one of the things that just really bothered me about that show was an episode I was watching where they let the contestants in a room filled with treats. And they said the, the, the contest of the day was whoever eats the least amount while no one is watching 
gets um, like immunity for the week okay. or whatever and wouldn't get sent home. Uh, and I was just disgusted by the idea of putting these people who are yeah. obviously food addicts, um, obviously have mental yeah. issues around food. And it, it would be the equivalent of putting an alcoholic yeah. in a liquor store and, and locking the door and saying, We're, nobody's watching. It's okay. Um, and I was just really disturbed by the whole concept. So, uh, and then when I learned that people, that all of those people, I mean, like you said, 99% of them gained back, yes. not just right. what they had lost, but more when they returned to a normal lifestyle. See, and that's what we have to, we, we want fasting to be a normal lifestyle, uh, yep. that because it is sustainable dieting and start and literally starving yourself by limiting calories and forcing yourself to burn an insane amount of calories every single day is starving right. so yourself. Fasting, fasting is, is not, not starving yourself. And let's, we're going to say this a lot throughout the podcast today and coming up. Fasting is not, mm -hmm. fasting is not a diet. Fasting is a lifestyle. And the word lifestyle means you can live with it. Lifestyle. And it's not like a diet is something you go on and something you hopefully go off, but this is not that. You this is something you would embrace always. Okay, so some other right. falsehoods. Um we talked about calories in, calories out. And um, oh, how about um a frequently asked question we get often is um people that are just starting uh their fasting uh lifestyle. Um what what can they do if they start to get like really hungry? Because sometimes eating meals is more of a habitual thing than something that your body really needs. So let's talk a little bit about that, Bill. Um, I'm going to start this off, and I mean this in a lighthearted, jokingly right. sort of way, but <laughs> put on your big up. girl panties. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. It's. Yes, you're going to get hungry because you've taught your body for your entire life that you should eat every four to five hours. So at hour six, your body's going to go, hey, hey, did you, you forgot something. You forgot, you, you, you forgot to put food in here. Um, and, and it's okay to tell your body, you know what, hey, be quiet. I know what I'm doing. Um, and for me, the easiest way to tell my body that is to just get up and do something else. And literally anything else helps me stop thinking about the fact that I'm hungry for 15 or yep. 20 minutes and then it yep. goes away for yeah, a little so while. So things you can do is you're, you know, you have to realize it's not an emergency. If you have a hunger, a little hunger twang, you know, like with, you can survive having a little stomach rumble. So you can take a walk, you can take a shower, you can get on your stationary exercise bike. You can go put on music and dance. You can start vacuuming, you know, anything to divert and also maybe just get away from the area where the food is. Like if people in your home are eating, maybe just get away from that space for a little bit. Yeah. And even, I mean, little things like the smell mm -hmm. of food. I was running this morning and I ran past a yeah. Wendy's and the smell of fried chicken, I just, I wanted to hard left into the parking lot and run right into the restaurant. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't even that, I was only at like 12 hours at that point um, because yesterday was an up day and today's, uh, you know, kind of a modified 
half up day, but um, I was running before I ate, uh, but just, just running past a fast food restaurant. I was like, oh man, that smells delicious. I'm hungry. I wasn't hungry. Right, I just needed exactly. to get past the restaurant. So um, obviously if you have severe issues, like you're dizzy, you feel like you're going to faint or you just like things are spinning around or you can't focus at all, then, then you just eat. For a lot of people, they start with very short fasts. Bill talked about in the beginning, he just like stopped eating after dinner and he did like 12 hours, I think. Right, Bill? And then you start with 12, you go to 14, yeah, yeah. you go to 15, 16. So maybe start with like 14, right? Just push your breakfast out and ease your way into it. And let's be real. If you get a hunger pang, just keep pushing through unless it's very severe. So let's talk about exercise, Bill. You said you were yeah, out running this morning. So another question we get and another myth is, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a longest runner and this drives me insane. <laughs> Do you have to eat before exercise or and or immediately following? Let's talk about this, Bill. So one of my absolute favorite questions, um, and I've, I've started, you know, kind of coaching and helping other people through fasting and finding uh, that, you know, where they do best in their fast for fitness. Um, and absolutely, 100%, you do not need to eat and or take any type of supplement before or immediately after any exercise, in my opinion. Um, I, I prefer, I feel my best when, especially, if, especially for running, but generally for all exercises, I feel my best between 18 mm, yeah. and 24 hours fasted. Um, so if I stop eating at, you know, six o'clock today, you know, and I get up at six o'clock tomorrow in the morning and I, and I run, I'll, it'll be okay, but that's not going to be my best run. My best run is if I stop eating today at, you know, two o'clock and I get up to my, at six o'clock tomorrow and I run first thing in the morning, that's where oh, I'm going to feel great. really good running. Um, yeah. And that's, I, I really right. believe it's going to be different for everybody. Um, but all of these pre-workout and post-workout, uh, necessities that I used to take. I've got a, a bottle of, or a little container of pre-workout that I used to take um, religiously sitting in the cabinet because it costs $30 and I can't bring myself to throw $30 in the trash can. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to use it because I'm not going to, I'm not going to break my fast for something that tastes like, uh, you know, generic yeah. lemonade So I powder. want to talk about the working out. So <laughs> I come from the ultra running community. And so I do, um, I will take salt if I'm doing a longer run. And I also live in Arizona. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and even like it's winter now, but it's, it's dry. Yeah. It's very dry. So we're very um, careful about our salt. And I don't like take a salt supplement. I just take pink Himalaya salt and I stick it in a little Ziploc baggie and I bring it with me on my run. And I do um, drink black coffee before I work out. So today, for example, for me, we eat dinner very early. So we finished dinner like 5.15 and we got up at six and we were out on the trails by 8 a.m. And we did nine miles and we came back. And then around 1.30, I had a little something. So what I'm saying is I didn't have to eat before I did my run. 
I didn't have to eat the second I finished because my muscles are not going to deteriorate. A lot of running coaches insist to their runners that they have to eat within 20 minutes of finishing a run. And I, I just straight out disagree with that. And also the guys at the gym with, I lift things up, I put wow. things down. Like, um, <laughs> you know, I think that pre post workout, it's a consumer thing. People are just trying to make money off you. Yeah. It, it, it absolutely is a consumer thing. And it, it's also a, a miseducation, just like doctors are not trained in nutrition. Fitness trainers are trained, uh, not in nutrition, but in selling supplemental products to boost income and revenue. Um, and they're trained. There's, if you look at the, what a, what a, um, a post-workout supplement is supposed to do. Uh, it's supposed to feed your muscles, which you are, uh, you know, you're, you're using your muscles so that because you want them to get bigger. I pick things up, I put them down. That you do that to make your muscles bigger. Um, and so the the idea is that you put you use this supplement after your workout to feed your muscles, but your body, if you're fasted. But in your workout, your body is already doing that because you're using fat cells as fuel. Your body's already turning all the food you eat and material from the fat cell back into muscle because your body wants muscle. Your body knows what it needs. Your body is not Excellent. Done. And so even if you're, um, if you're trying to lose weight, why, why would you take a post-workout? Because you want your body to use the fat. And if you're trying to bulk up, why would you use something with all those chemicals in it when you would let your body use your own um, resources? So I, I know a lot of bodybuilders, they talk about cutting, right? Get ready for a competition. And many mm -hmm. of them incorporate, many of the real famous um, high-level ones, they incorporate intermittent fasting in their training. So if you're interested in that, I'm sure you can Google them and find that. Okay, so you mentioned something about, um, let's talk about hormones and insulin and metabolism. So um, this kind of circles back to the, um, the myth of calories in and calories out. So if you're someone like me, so I'm 60 and I've had disordered eating since I was maybe 14-ish. And so I did restricting, dieting, binging, blah, 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 all that. And so my metabolism was very, very messed up. And so for me, intermittent fasting helps not only my metabolism, but it helps my disordered eating. People say, oh, oh, if you have disordered eating, you shouldn't fast. So I do think if someone is severely anorexic, anorexic enough to be hospitalized, that's a whole nother situation. But if you're someone like me who's battled their whole life with food issues, what fasting does for me, it's I eat, I stop eating, I don't think about it when I'm not eating, and then I eat, and it frees my mind up so I can live my life and not worry about the food. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kind of tying into that, it's just the mentality behind fasting is not or shouldn't be that you're, you're you shouldn't be fasting because you think there's something wrong with you. You should be fasting because you want to live a healthier lifestyle and that, that we're going to like you said, we're going to keep coming back and we're going to keep pounding that word lifestyle, not diet 
not, um, not, and not anything else. It's just right. a lifestyle. It's just yep. the way we live. Um, and if you're thinking about it any other way, uh, it's probably not gonna work. I was listening to another podcast, um, and I can't remember which one it was or who they were interviewing, but they said something to the effect of, um, they, they don't, they just try not to think about the fasting part, right? They, they really, they focus on what they do get to eat and when they, when they, when they are eating, but the rest of the time, they're just doing everything else uh, that they need to do and that they want to do. There's so much time not spent thinking about food for them that they get to enjoy their life so much more that they're not concerned about the, you know, the, the hundred pounds that they still want to lose. They're just right. out there so living their life. That's a really good point fun. because um, uh, fasting is free. You don't have to join a club. You don't have to buy a powder, a pill, a potion. And it does free up your time. Like we had some work going on in our home on Friday. We actually had a big pool delivered on a crane and the whole day got like caught up with the workmen and this and both of us, we just forgot about eating because we were busy with what was happening in our home. And the next thing we knew, it was five o'clock. And so we didn't have to think like, uh-oh, the workmen are coming. We better eat lunch before they come. We just were able to go about our day. And it also, for me, it helps my anxiety tremendously. So um, let's just we're, let's just um, talk about a couple other things. Um when you start fasting, what, you know, we, we're going to talk a lot about mindset going forward. But when you start fasting um, and you go for lab work, let's talk about, uh, about the data from lab work. You want to talk a little bit about that, Bill? Um, yeah, for sure. That's one of the things that I struggle with. And, and this goes uh, two different directions. Um, so, you know, be careful, listen carefully as we talk about this particular topic, because I was having medical issues a year ago that my doctors and a team of specialists that I was referred to could not diagnose. Um, I couldn't breathe. My resting heart rate was around 85, 90 beats per minute. And if I got up and walked around the living room, it would go up to 125, 130 beats per minute just from walking from one side of the room to the other, never mind trying to actually do any form of exercise, um, even a slow walk on a treadmill at like one incline would hmm. take my heart rate up to 180 beats per minute. Um, and the, my, my doctor and the cardiologist and the pulmonologist and every other doctor that they brought in to look at these test results could not figure it out because every single time I went to the doctor, they said, we're going to do blood work when you leave. So make sure you fast the night before. Mm -hmm. This was before I was doing intermittent fasting. So one, I was like, oh, this is absolutely miserable. I can't believe I have to wait until nine o'clock for my coffee and breakfast. Um, but two, every time they did blood work, they came back and said, all your health markers, all your blood work is in the normal range. Um, and even my heart rate was slightly lower. And, you know, they had one, one doctor's appointment. They had me just walk around the doctor's office, you know, the, the loop uh, around the, the um, rooms, the little clinic rooms. Um, they had me walk around that three or four times and they did, they checked my heart rate and it was like 130 something again, just from walking on a flat surface, shouldn't 
shouldn't be 130, but they said it's, it's high, but it's in normal range. So we can't really say anything's wrong with you. Um, and I, it was really, really, really frustrating because I knew that even though I was overweight, I was still a very active, healthy person and my heart rate should not be that high mm -hmm. from such minimal activity. Um, so that's one way that it can go. Uh, and it ended up being, I found out later on, all those blood markers were oh, low because a, I was Yeah, fast. so let's talk about that. So I've had, um, um, you know, I'm in the running community and um, a lot of people will, like if you go for your blood work, you know, they'll be fasted, they'll do their run. But um, I just heard an interview with um, a nurse, I think it was on Graham, Graham's um, podcast, and she was saying it's really important when you go for your fasting blood work, not to be in a fast that's too lengthy. So you want to go hopefully at 12 to 14 hours fasted. But if you're doing a 24, 36, if you go to your blood work at that far into your fast, that may give some false readings also. And I do want to mention cholesterol. So we're going to, we'll talk about cholesterol. We'll, we'll, we'll dive into that in mm -hmm. another podcast because my husband has a lot of information on that. Um, I'm just going to throw this out quickly, a dangle the carrot that the way they measure cholesterol now, also antique, you need cholesterol. But when you first start fasting and your body is breaking down your fat and using it for fuel, guess what happens? The fat is running around in your bloodstream and you go to get your lab work done and the doctor will go, oh my goodness, your markers are very bad. So please, 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 when you first start fasting, if that happens to you, do not panic. Talk to your doctor. There's data to back this up. There's research. That's perfectly normal. Or you could be a person like me. I'm 5'3". I weigh about 118. And when I go, my good cholesterol is through the roof and my bad cholesterol is very low, very, very low. But when you put them together, the combined number is high. And every doctor I've gone to is like, oh, you got to go on statins. I'm like, uh, no, never, never, ever, never. Thank you. So we'll dive into cholesterol <laughs> another day. But the point being here is... If you go to a doctor and he has concerns about your labs, whether they're too high or I get this a lot because I have a thyroid issue. Oh, your numbers are in the quote unquote normal range. Sometimes you got to do a little poking and prodding or you got to find a doctor that can read the information better or maybe run another battery of different kinds of tests. So let's just put that out there about lab work. Please be proactive in your care. Yeah, for sure. And the proactive part and being an advocate for yourself, you know, if, if you know you're going in for blood work and you fasted, you, you weren't thinking about it the day before, but instead of 12 hours, you're at 24 hours yes. when they do the blood work, make sure you tell them, hey, by yep. the way, I haven't eaten since lunch yesterday. Um, so you should expect to see a higher cholesterol or a lower this or, you know, whatever it is Absolutely. that they're you know, really and looking for. Uh, at also, that if point. you used to be a sugar carb person um, and then you, you change and you cut out, like maybe you cut out your processed carbs and sugar and you're eating, you know, more protein and fat, you're, and you go for lab work, it'll look different than it used to look when you were a car burner. So make sure if you change things around, you let your practitioner know. So I just want to segue into um, low carb, high carb, this, that, the other thing. So when you decide to uh, do intermittent fasting, do you have to eat any specific way, Bill? 
No. Do not. No, you do not. And that's a big, uh, another big question is, you know, we keep saying fasting is a lifestyle, not a diet. Um, and a diet can refer to something you do to change um, a, a health outcome, you know, as far as food is concerned. Um, and a diet can also just, you, you know, some people just refer to what right. they eat on a regular basis as their diet. Um, so you have to kind of clarify those differences. You know, when you're talking about a diet, fasting is not a diet. Um, eating keto is a diet. It, it's not necessarily a diet to lose weight if you're not trying to lose weight, but you are trying to do keto. But uh, your right. food or, choices so are So if you your are diet. an intermittent faster and you want to be a vegetarian or a vegan, go for it. Absolutely. Or like me, I'm heading towards Do carnivore it. and um, from the keto community. And the only reason I'm doing that because it, it works for me. I do want to say one thing though. So basically you can fast and then you can feast and you can eat anything you choose, but you want to choose foods that like you and like, and you like them back. So just because maybe you like potato chips, that might not be a good thing for you. Or maybe ice mm -hmm. cream and a lot of sugary products, maybe yep. they don't work for you. If you can tolerate them and they don't slow your weight loss or they don't make you feel inflamed and they don't cloud your thinking, then more power to you. But the point is you can eat anything you want within reason, right? Yep. Yeah. And I want to tag onto that as well. This is another big uh, topic that I'm trying to help people with is, um, you know, you, you can, you can literally eat pretty much whatever you want and you're going to, you, you can lose weight. If, if you can, <laughs> if a guy can eat Twinkies for a year and lose weight, you can do intermittent fasting and eat whatever you want and lose weight. However, if you have fitness goals, because that's my primary focus and what I'm helping people with, is if you have fitness goals, yep. you might have to make some decisions to cut certain foods out of your life for Excellent. a little bit that's, yeah, so that's that you can really reach good. those goals. Um, I, yeah, I, I have a goal for this year. I want to visit 10% um, body fat. I don't want to, I don't, I know that I don't have the time, the energy or the discipline to maintain 10% body fat. Right. I just want to see what it looks like and feels like for maybe a month. So to get there, I'm going to have to make some choices um, yep. and limit some foods for a little while. Yes. Um, and, but yeah, yeah, so you got to eat for your and goals it, it, as it well. It should be your goals. Is, is and, um, I just, we're going to talk about this a lot. And please, 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 please do not compare yourself to others because in a lot of the communities, you know, people start IF and they lose 20 pounds like the first month. Please do not compare yourself to others. So for me... My goals are like, I want to be able to run without mm -hmm. being sore and being inflamed. I would like to be a little bit faster. I'd like to be a little bit stronger, but, um, and obviously I'm a woman. I care a lot about how I look, but, um, you know, I want to be able to like live my life. I don't want to have to be one of these people. Like I can't go to that party because they're going to have certain foods there that I can't, I can't be around. So we want this to be a lifestyle. So let's just close. Let's talk a little right. bit about mindset. So we leave everybody with like a rah-rah before we, we sign off. <laughs> so let's talk Absolutely. about mindset because Bill, you and I are, are pretty disciplined and we have pretty good mindset. So let's share some of our techniques with other people. 
Um, my, my mindset mantra, and I kind of picked this up, um, or, or came up with this last year as I was really starting to focus on fasting, um, and, and finding that point where I wasn't thinking about food. I was thinking about things that I wanted to be able to do. Um, so my mantra for this year is it kind of continued mm. from what I started last year and that's get out of Ooh, your like head that. into your life. Stop, stop thinking about what you want to do and either start doing it. Or if you're not physically able to do it yet, Ooh. start doing those things that are going to get you there, but stop. Don't, don't think about it until so say it happens that again. because it's not going to so happen. The beginning, get out thinking. of your head and into your life. Well, get out of your head I mean, and into right there, your life. Like just That's my mantra for this year. Into your life. That's good. So mine is similar. I have two things I say often. The first one is someday is now. Because people say, oh, I'm going to start tomorrow, next week, next month. Da, da, da. No, mm -hmm. now. Someday is now. And the other thing, you know, I was a music teacher. And when my kids would get nervous before concerts, I'd say, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to act as if. So what that means is don't say, oh, I'm going to try fasting. You say, I'm going to be an intermittent faster. It's not like I'm going to try quitting smoking. I'm going to quit smoking. So I really think the messages you give yourself are crucial. Right. So make sure you're nice to yourself and you lift yourself up. Yep. Uh, going on, tagging on to your uh, tomorrow is now. Um, I ran, I was running the other yeah. day again. I, I've been running a lot lately and uh, I ran past this restaurant and it had a really oh, funny so sign funny. outside. The sign said free tacos tomorrow. <laughs> One, that's just some amazing marketing because anybody that pulls in and was like, oh, I drove by the sign yesterday and it said free tacos right, that's tomorrow. So well, funny. Guess what? I, that it's is still not tomorrow. Funny. So mine is, that's funny. Um, yeah, so... That just that just popped in my head when you said that. And I was like, yep, that's, there, yeah. there is no tomorrow. Tomorrow never so gets here. You, you have to do it. In my office, it says someday uh, right now, is today. now. And that's really been my mantra for the last several years. But um, I listened to another podcast and the woman said, and I think this is another really important thing. You want progress, not perfection. And I think that is golden because a lot of people say, oh, I, I didn't do perfect mm -hmm. today. And they throw it out the window. So please, everybody. Really acknowledge your successes, even if they're small. Like Bill said, get out of your head, into your life. If you want to run and you can only run a block, there you go. Like me, I'm, I can only do maybe 10, 15 push-ups, but every day I'm doing one more. And if you want to fast, you start with a really small time frame, and you're like, yay, today I did 10 hours. Tomorrow I'll do 11 or, or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and if you say, if, even if you set that number higher and you say, I'm going to do 20 hours because I did 18 the last two weeks and it felt really good. Uh, but, and you, so you say, all right, I'm going to do 20 hours this next fast and you get to 18 and you say, no, I, I just, I can't. Well, that's not something to be upset yeah, about. So I really want people to focus. You still fasted focus for 18 hours. Focus on what you did do. Focus on your accomplishments. Okay. So Bill, we should wrap up, I think. Um, let's, yes. What's happening next week? Uh, next week, we are, we are not Bill, going to have a podcast release happy, happy next day. week. It's your anniversary with uh -huh. your wife, right? 
Oh, that's lovely. Congratulations. anniversary to me, 17 years. Um, thank you. And we're going to be traveling to New Mexico oh. for the weekend Good. and just having yeah. some alone time and relaxing. Um, and then, so when we come my back husband, the following Dr. week, Jim we're going to be interviewing my husband is your a PhD husband. Doctor, he's uh, got a degree in science. And what Jim is going to be doing for us is he's going to be helping us decipher not just the science, but when you see those articles with the misleading titles, he's going to help us be a little bit more uh, knowledgeable about how to decide if the study is worthwhile and where they get their data from. And he's going to break some of that down for all of us into like layman's term for the average person. And he knows a lot about fasting and nutrition, and I think it'll be very helpful for everybody. Okay. All right, everyone. So listen, we're going to leave That's you with be super fun. focus on what you can do, not what you can't. And we'll be, we won't be here next Sunday, but we'll be back the following week and just keep on doing what you can and improving. All right. All right. Bye -bye. Everybody have an awesome couple of weeks and we'll be back soon. Okay. Bye, Lisa. Talk to you later.